It's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is episode number 434, and I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. Today is Tuesday, April 12th. Well, it isn't really, but that's when you're going to get this. And we're start doing another episode of Programming by Stealth, episode 13 of X with Bart Bouchatz. How are you doing today, Bart? Hi, I'm doing just fine. Um, well, before we had the April showers, we had lovely weather today, and then... April went and did exactly what every stereotype says. Every stereotype says it should. <laughs> Hail and thunder, and oh yeah, it was. It was like the skies just opened. And I learned how to use my winch wipers today. Oh, did you have another millimeter? I, I I did. I did. We had another millimeter of rain. It was. It was. I had got to turn them up not fast yet, but I got to learn how to use them. I've only owned okay. the car for five years. <laughs> you actually, have to no, wipe off, like you know. Pigeon droppings every now and then. Well, I don't no, have any birds either. <laughs> I mean, if you're driving along and you get a thingy on the thingy, I suppose that could have happened. All right, let's let's kick in because I'm excited about learning more JavaScript. I am really having fun with this part. Well, good. So at, at this stage now, we're we're sort of racing through describing the Lego set that exists. So we're we're racing through what the building blocks are of programming languages in general and JavaScript in particular. So we did two bricks last time. We looked at variables and we looked at operators. So those those are our first two bricks. And we are going to put some more bricks in the wall today. So the main brick is something called branching, which is the ability to do different things depending on some sort of condition. And so everything we've done up until now, our, our little scripts have all been very simplistic. Every single statement happens in the order we write them. And that is that is what happens. It's just a linear and we're done. So we're going to introduce the concept of branching this time, which means that if this condition is met, we do this. Otherwise, we do that. And in order to do that, we first have to have a little bit more of a look at Booleans. And we also have to have a look at another group of operators we didn't talk about last time, which are the ones that operate on Booleans. Operators or that result on in Booleans. Booleans. Hmm. Yeah, so operators that create Booleans or operators that compare Booleans or that you know, manipulate Booleans. So we need both of those before we can do our branching. Okay. And the very first thing we get to do is to decide whether or not boogers is true or false. <laughs> so we said that JavaScript, when it needs to do a type conversion, it will. And so if you throw something that is not a Boolean into a situation where it needs to become one for it to make sense, well, JavaScript will do that conversion. But the question is, what rules does JavaScript use when it does that conversion? So that's the first thing we have to do. But before we do any of that, I'd like to introduce you to our new playground. Okay. So we, we introduced the concept of the playground last time uh, because we haven't learned yet how to tie JavaScript into the web browser and that is a whole show in itself because that is not straightforward. There's there's a little bit of something to it and that something makes no sense until JavaScript makes sense to you. So we have a chicken and egg problem which we've solved by creating this little playground. Uh in the two weeks between our two shows, well, week and a bit, uh, yeah, in the time between our two installments, uh, I redid, I did a bit of tweaking to the playground because it wasn't behaving quite like I'd like. Uh, so now it all works on one page instead of breaking out into two pages. So there's no more pop-up windows, which has the side effect that it will work on iPads and things. Oh, cool. So... If you well, if you're using it online, just click the link and you'll go to the new playground. If you downloaded the code, then there's a new link in this set of show notes to get the new playground. And the big difference is there's now an output area underneath the run button, and every time you click the run button, the output will appear down below. So under the t- heading output. Okay, so let's start with our boolean conversions. 
every single possible value that can be in a variable will evaluate to either true or false. There is nothing that cannot be collapsed into true or false. So the hmm. question are, what are the rules for doing that collapsing? So the first rule is that if it's a number, every single number in existence, with the exception of the number zero and the pseudo number nan, not a number, will collapse to true. And the all only numbers number is true. Except all for numbers zero except and for nan. zero. Yeah, all numbers except for zero and nan are true. So negative numbers are true. Fraction, negative fractions are true. All fractions are true. Yeah, it's just zero and nan that are false. Every other number is true. So these are are essentially arbitrary rules, but rules have to exist for this for booleans to work. Rules have to exist because JavaScript remember is an untyped language, so it has to have rules for going between the t the types. Okay. By the way, needs, real quick, yeah. um, Steve and I have been setting up his uh, a weather station that mm -hmm. is uh, allowing him to report weather onto the web, and it wasn't working properly. And guess what? The temperature said it said nan. nan. Yeah, yeah, and I was all excited. I knew what it was. It wasn't so a number. Some, yeah, so there's some JavaScript code in there. So one that was getting something that it was like. <laughs> That's not four or one or whatever sensible centigrade or Celsius 72. or Fahrenheit. It's always 72. 72. Okay, 72. Uh, yeah, so everything, everything has to collapse down. So all numbers apart from zero and nan go to true. And so zero and nan go to false. All strings except for the empty string go to true. So an empty string is false and all other strings, as long as they have length one or more, they are true. Wait, wait, wait. So boogers. Wait. All strings with exception. All strings are true. Mm -hmm. Except for the empty string. So you can have a string of length zero. That is like false. Double quote, double quote? Yep. Double okay. quote, double quote is exactly the empty string or single quote, single quote. That's okay, so that's good because zero is false. And exactly. An oh, they're very sensible. False. Good. They're very sensible. Okay. Um, that, that, there's none of them I don't... Well, they're, you know, they're pretty sensible. Pretty okay. sensible. So all strings apart from the empty string are true. Uh, and then the special values undefined and null are false. And we haven't come across null yet. I don't think we're going to come, come across it very often, but null is a value that has no value. You use it when you have to give a value, but you don't want to. <laughs> so null is defined, but it means nothing. It is like the vacuum. It is, it is a non-entity that is defined. Hmm. So undefined means not defined, and null means it's defined, but there's no value here. It's a very subtle difference. I don't think we're going to meet null very often. Undefined we'll meet quite often, but null I don't think we will. Okay. But then, anyway. Them both being false sounds okay. Sounds like exactly. it's alignment. Again, it's very sensible. It's, it's, again, very sensible. So the big takeaway from here is that the vast majority of values collapse down to true. And so I would say that what you should remember is not what goes to true, but remember what goes to false to know that everything else goes to true. So what goes to false is undefined, null, zero, nan, and the empty string. Just five. Makes sense. Yeah. So remember those five, and then you know that everything else goes to true. So boogers is true. Boogers is true, because it is a string of length greater than zero. <laughs> so we have some sample code, which simply goes through a bunch of values and prints out you know, the result of converting them to a Boolean. So we learned last time that to convert something to a Boolean, you run it through the function Boolean. So these are just a bunch of PBS that say zero is, and then it runs it through the Boolean and puts out the output. So if we copy and paste all of that into our shiny new playground, then we can see this in action. Okay. I'm kind of confused by the words that you've written there as though... 
okay, well, all the lines take the same form, so we'll, we'll, we'll pick the first line and we'll go through it. Okay. So pbs.say, and then it takes a string, which says zero is, and then three tab characters to space it out a bit. Wait, slash t slash t slash t means tab, tab, tab? Yep. We learned about it last. So the last time we learned that slash n was new line and slash t was tab. Wow. I think you mocked me no saying, oh, we're never going to use that. So I intentionally <laughs> put it in here. <laughs> okay. And then we're going to concatenate that string with the output of calling Boolean on zero. So in other words, it is going to tell us what zero actually does evaluate down to. So you essentially said in quotes, zero is, unquote. And then we're going to have the answer. plus to say concatenate and Boolean of zero. Exactly. So it's going to show us what zero evaluates to, and then what one evaluates to, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. Oh, okay. So if we run it, what you will see is that zero evaluates to false, one evaluates to true, minus 2.6 is true, 3.1416 is true, nan is false, null is false, undefined is false, the empty string is false, true is true, false is true. Fal- ah, yeah, false okay, is true. One. No, false isn't true. The string false is true. <laughs> Because it is a string of length greater than zero. So that's the one gotcha in all of this, is that the string false is true. Why do they let you use that? You'd think that wouldn't be allowed. I guess strings are hard to make not allowed. Right. Well, you wouldn't make it not allowed because it wouldn't make sense. People can use the word false when they're writing a sentence and you can process that sentence with JavaScript. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah, It's perfectly valid. Boogers is true. (laughs) And a string containing a space, which is... Arguably in English described as an empty string, but in JavaScript terminology, most well, certainly is not an empty string because it is not a length, length of zero. One. Ah, exactly. I got you. That's a good example okay, so, to include. Yeah, I'll put that one in because it might it might confuse people. So when we say empty string, we really do mean the string of length zero. Right. So anything at all that's if there's anything in there, even one character, then it's not empty. So it's true. I remember many years ago I was doing a um I was doing some uh, Excel math on a survey I'd done of my employees, and it was done Mm -hmm. in a way that no one was allowed to see the data but me. And I was taking averages of these answers in a column, and I was getting the wrong answer. Like I'd have a four and a five, and the average would not be four and a half. And I asked this woman that worked for me, I I can't show it to you, but how could this possibly be true? And she said, well, maybe somebody entered a space. And space has a hexadecimal value. Space is not zero, right? Space yeah. is not nothing. Space yeah. is something. Excel will see a cell with a space as a something, and then it will, when you're averaging it, it will say, well, I got it. I think it'll treat it as a zero, so it'll be four plus five plus zero divided by three. I think it was actually the hexadecimal equivalent of like oh, eight or something s- awful. I mean, so that's it wasn't even, yeah, it was much worse. And so I just took all the empty cells and zeroed them out, you know, emptied them out, and everything yeah. worked. Wow. I thought she was pretty good. She figured it out without looking at it, just knowing by the numbers I told her what had to be in there. Yeah, so in other words, this has to be dividing by something that is not two. Yep. Therefore, there must be another another valued cell in there. Therefore, that's what your problem is. Yeah. And it must be invisible because you can't see it, so it must be a space. Yep. Yeah, I like the Good logic. Okay, so that that's it. They're the rules for making things into Booleans. So now we're going to learn about some new operators. We're going to learn about operators for comparing values. And a comparison always results in true or false. So a comparison is either met or not met. Something Hmm. either is equal to something else or it is not. It is either less than something else or it is not. So the output of all comparisons are true or false. So So are comparisons really like an if statement? 
Well, no, they don't have to. They can be one of the most common places you will use a comparison is within an if statement, but they are just operators, right? So they take two values and they will collapse them into a Boolean answer. So for, well, I say we'll see. So they are just operators, but the most common place we're going to use these operators, so the reason we're learning about them now is because their most common use is within if statements, if some condition. Right, oh, an if okay. statement just needs to get a boolean, right? And if if this boolean is met, I do something. Well, a way to get to a boolean is to compare things. Okay. So these operators are you compare two values, and then out will come a boolean. The result of these comparisons is always a boolean. So the first type of comparison is the one that sounds the simplest, but is actually the most difficult. Equality is something the same as something else. We're going to start with the operator you're probably going to use least. Sounds a bit counterintuitive, but it will explain why we don't use it. So the first operator is triple equals. So equals, equals, equals. Why? And that checks for strict equality. So remember, I, I've been telling you all that when you see a single equal sign, you never say equals in your head. What you say in your head is, is assigned equal to. Uh-huh. The reason is because there are two other operators you're going to confuse it with. A single equal sign, a double equal sign, and a triple equal sign. All three of those have completely different meanings. Okay. That's why I've been so careful. Actually, to you said you said the words a little wrong. I think you wanted to say uh, not is e- sorry is assigned the value of is, is what assigned I want. the yeah. value of right. Yes. So when you see three equal signs, what I want you to hear in your head is is exactly equal to. This okay. is a very strict equality check. If the two types are different on each side, the answer is always false, even if the values are kind of the same. So the string four and the number four are not exactly equal. Okay, okay. So you have the same type and the same value for this triple equals, this exactly equals operator. So if we run the sample code, you'll see what I mean. Okay. I, I, sorry, I want to interrupt real quick because I was trying to mm-hmm. remember somebody's name. Jill Romanski sent in a great email that I don't know that I forwarded it to you yet. Nope. Um, talking about uh, other ways to say uh, what you've been trying to teach me of that the equal sign doesn't mean equals. And Mm -hmm. she thinks of it as the word becomes. So X equals five would be X becomes five. And that's what she needs to sign the value of. Yeah, Yeah. she says it's less syllables or fewer syllables too. So that's good. But she gives some other explanations. I'll send these on and we we should probably include these in the show notes because she's got some other ways to help me remember that plus equals and minus equals thing. So I don't okay. want to distract, but it's it's fantastic. She did a great job. Excellent. Okay. Really so back to our triple equals. So the string four is not string... exactly equivalent to the number four. Yeah. So so let's go through the example. So the first one is the number four triple equals the number four, which evaluates to true. So same type. They're both numbers and they're both four. So they are triple equals each other. Okay. The string four triple equals the string four also goes to true because again, same value, same type. Okay. But the string four and the number four, they're false. They're not triple equal to and each And when other. you're saying the string four, you're saying string, and then you put the number four inside the string. You're not saying F-O-U-R. Correct, yeah. The but digit even though four, it is the digit four inside quotes, because it's a string, it is not exactly equal to four. Correct. Okay. Yes, exactly. All yeah. right. True, exactly. True triple equals true evaluates to true. And the string true triple equals the string true evaluates to true. But the string true, triple equals the Boolean true, is again false. Okay. Uh, the string true, triple equals one, is also false. Wait, and wait, the, wait, that's not the string true the way you sorry. wrote it. 
You're right. Boolean value I didn't even true. mean. Yeah, the Boolean value true does not triple equal the number one. Yeah, why would it? Well, because when true is converted to a number, it becomes one. <laughs> okay. Okay. So you, it is a conceivable thing that you might expect to happen. Okay. It doesn't happen. Okay. Because the type has to be the same. The last one, I guarantee you, is going to confuse you. Thanks. Nan, triple equals Nan, evaluates to false. Ah, because you don't really know what Nan is. Exactly. All you know is what it isn't. Exactly. So, what you need to remember is that Nan, every comparison you do to Nan of any kind is always false. Nan is not the same as itself. Nan is not smaller than itself. Nan is not bigger than itself. Nan is always false. If you compare Nan to Nan or anything to Nan, the answer is always false, even if you compare it to itself. So, just to use the kind of analogy I like, so Nan could be boogers yes, and Nan could. could also be snot, but snot is not necessarily boogers. Correct. And if you think of Nan as being infinity as a Nan, well, there's different infinities. So it makes Head sense blown. that way too. Yeah, there are. You know, the infinity of even numbers is twice as big as the infinity of... Wait, no. Of all numbers, yeah. Anyway, there are different infinities. That, that, that's just kind of... I actually, I actually get that. Since we don't know what it is, it can't be equivalent to another thing we don't know what it is. Yeah, I don't know is not the same as I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So that is one to remember because that's not immediately obvious until you think about it. Okay. Now, most of the time, you don't want this rigid testing. You would like you don't you would like to not care whether it's a string containing the digit four or the number four. You would you would like to consider those to be equal to each other most of the time. Okay. So there is a second equality test which is less strict than the first, and that's double equals. And the way I'd like you to think of that is, is effectively equal to. So, so you have double equals exactly, is close enough for government work? Well, it means that if you do a type conversion, they will become the same. Hmm. Okay. What's so, the type conversion again? Okay, so you, you remember if we try to add a string to a number, it will oh, try to convert right. the string into a number. Right, right, right. Okay. So if you, do, if, you, if you try to add the string four to the number four, you'll get eight. Because okay. it will go, well, I have a number on this side and a string on this side. Let's try to make that string into a number. Right. Ah, okay, it goes to four. Great. Eight. If it had gone to nan, then the answer would have been nan, because anything plus nan is nan. Right, right, right. Okay, okay, I got it. Excellent. So, the double equals operator, by default, tries to make everything a number. By default. There is one exception to this, which is that if both sides of double equals are a string, then it will do a string comparison, which makes sense. Because every string evaluates to not a number, probably. Mm -hmm. So you wouldn't want it to be doing it. You want it to do a string comparison or it would be being useless. So generally speaking, double equals does sensible things. But the actual rule is, if it's not two strings, make them both numbers, then check if the numbers are equal to each other. So if it's a string and a number, it'll try to make the string into a number. Yes. But if it's a string and a string, it'll go, oh, you just want strings. Yeah, and it will just say, is this the same string as this? Does it have the same letters in the same order? Okay. So again, it's, it is actually being sensible, but sometimes the sensibility takes a little bit of figuring out. That's like BSD. It's really, really simple, but you've got to really know your stuff to see the simplicity. Uh, so again, we have an example to run to walk us through the various permutations. In fact, it's exactly the same examples we used before, but this time we're using double instead of triple equals. Okay. So the number four double equals the number four. True. The string four double equals the string four. 
true. The string four double equals the number four. True. This time. That was false right. last time. True this time. Because was that a sound of confusion or No, no. No, I that okay, was, good. <laughs> it was supposed to sound like brilliance. Uh, apparently I missed. Yeah. No, sorry, <laughs> I, I, I slightly talked over you with the Skype delay. So all I heard was all I saw was your meters going. It's like, oh, what was that? <laughs> Uh, true double equals true is true. The string true double equals the string true is also true. But the string true double equals the Boolean true is false. Now, why oh, is that? shoot. Okay. Why is that? Okay, so what have we got here? We have one string and one not string. So what's happening? So it should turn them into numbers. Okay, so true goes to one. Right. The and string str- true is nan. Ah. It's not a number. Right, right, so right. nan is not equal to anything. So it'll always be false. Okay. Now, the Boolean true double equals the number one goes to true. <laughs> right? No right. strings involved whatsoever. They've both been forced to numbers. True is one. One is one. True. Nan double equals nan is still false. No comparison to nan is ever going to give you true. So nan double equals nan is also false. I'm never going to w- use the string true or false when I'm programming because I'll never remember this part. No, but you wouldn't use them as a string. What could happen is that someone else might type them into a text box and they may end up floating through your code without you noticing. Ah, uh, right, right. And you actually, and it behaves in the right way, you know, for, for that to happen. Yeah. It, generally speaking, it will behave properly because what you're going to care about is whether or not there is a string present. You're not really going to care what the letters are. Oh. Okay. So it all behaves pretty much normally. You, you would, I can't imagine why you would intentionally create the string true. <laughs> okay, good. But you will, you know, true will end up in a string somewhere. Right, right. It's almost inevitable. Okay. Okay. So we've gone through everything there. So I just want to, okay, so whenever you see a single equals, I like the I like becomes. So either is assigned the value of or becomes. A double equals is effectively equal to, and a triple equals is exactly equal to. I like it. Okay, so the next thing is comparisons. We'd like to compare things. And so we have four operators at our disposal for doing comparisons. We have the less than symbol, which stands for less than. We have the greater than symbol, which stands for greater than. And then we have a less than symbol with an equals after it, which stands for less than or equal to. And a greater than symbol. Oops, typo there. Yep, I see it. (laughs) Uh, A greater than symbol followed by an equals symbol is greater than or equal to. For a second there, I thought it was supposed to have a colon. I was like, oh, come on. <laughs> yeah, I, I may actually redo those because I don't like that colon. Yeah, the colon should probably come lists. out. Yeah. Um, just like double equals, the, the rule is the same. We work numerically unless there are two strings. And when we, when we meet two strings, we switch into what's called a lexical comparison, which sounds really hard. But basically, a lexical comparison is checking where it comes in the dictionary. Yeah, that that's fine because uh, lexicon is your um, vocabulary essentially. Exactly. Words that you use. Yeah. So if there are two strings, we do a lexical comparison, and and a lexical comparison basically says if it comes before me in the dictionary, then it's less than, and you know if one comes before, if a comes oh. before b, then a is less than b, and if a comes after b, then a is greater than b. Oh, okay. That that is literally the rule. It's that simple. I like it. Okay. So again, we have some. Little testers. So if we run those through our little playground, we can go through them. All right. Copy. Pasting. 
So, two is less than, the number two is less than, the number four is true. Straightforward mathematics there. The string two less than four is also true because there's only one string involved. Therefore, we will convert the string two to a number. So is the number two less than the number four? Yes, it is. Outcomes true. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. Four less than four. False. Four is not less than four. Four is equal to four. Okay. Boogers less than nose. True. Because boogers <laughs> comes before nose in the dictionary. Even though boogers is longer, it is earlier in the dictionary. So it is less. Okay. Okay. So it's not word length. It's position in the dictionary. Which is why I specifically chose words in that length. Okay. Boogers greater than nose is false because it comes before nose in the dictionary. Boogers less than four, false, because boogers becomes not a number when you compare it to a number. And anything compared to nan is false. No matter boogers what. is also not greater than four. So boogers is neither less than four nor greater than four, nor is it equal to four. Right, right. Okay. Twelve, the, the string twelve less than the string four is true. Oh, come on. Well, no. Two strings. Which comes first in the dictionary? Twelve does. So, um, would it be T-W-E-L-V-E? No, it would be one. If, you, if your dictionary goes to symbols, you can... Oh, oh, okay. Okay, I got you. So, yeah. one, two is before four. Yeah, because A-A is before B. Okay. Yeah, so one, two, you compare the one to the four. Oh, the one's lower. The answer is... See, that's a hard one, because that's not in the dictionary like that. So, they've been well, arbitrary ruling one. that... But since boogers is before nose, even though it's got a lot of characters, that doesn't, the first letter is all that matters. Yeah. So and the if they're the same, you go to the second matters. letter. And if they're the same, you go to the third letter until right. you find the difference. Okay. All right. I'll buy it. It's in there for the very reason that it's counterintuitive. It follows the rules perfectly. So it's not JavaScript being inconsistent, but it doesn't follow human logic. Yeah. Or human expectation, perhaps. So that's why it's there. Uh, the number two less than or equal to four is indeed true as is the string 2 less than or equal to the number 4, because again, the string gets converted to a number. 2 is indeed less than or equal to 4. Okay. And then the important one, 4 less than or equal to 4, is true. It is less than or equal to. Yes. And then finally, we have nan less than nan, nan greater than nan, nan less than or equal to nan, and nan greater than or equal to nan, and they are all false, because every comparison involving nan is false. Got it. So, they are... Our comparison operators. So now we have one. We have one more group of operators. That is to say, three more operators to learn about before we go and play around with our if statements. And those are operators for combining booleans together or for manipulating booleans. And there are three of them: and, or, and not. I like it. The operator for and is ampersand ampersand. And it evaluates to true when both values it's comparing are true. So you only right. get an and to be true when both are true. Right. One and the other. The pipe pipe is the logical or, which evaluates to true if one or both are true. So if either are true, then an or becomes true. And the pipe, again, for people who are uh, just playing along recently, is the vertical line. It's on my keyboard anyway. It's above the return key, the enter key. Whereas on a European, well, on a British-Irish keyboard, it is above the backslash. 
Oh, well, it is. It's on the same key as the backslash. Right, but my enter key is too high, whereas yours isn't. (laughs) Okay. Right, your enter key is a single line key? I don't know what that means. Does it stretch over two rows on your keyboard? No, just one. Okay, then that's the difference. So European enter key goes over two rows. I think an American one goes over two columns. Ah, 1.8 columns. Anyway, okay. (laughs) Okay, well, maybe 1.8. So yeah, so that's where our keyboards differ quite dramatically. Um, All right, so the two, last two operator is and, two pipes is or. And then a single exclamation point in front of means invert the thing it's in front of, or not the thing it's in front of. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Uh, the font you're using in your show notes makes, I can't tell that's an exclamation point. Yeah, I think it's it is. If I zoom way, I mean, way up, I can almost see a gap. But the two, the dot and the vertical line are touching each other, so it looks like a little L. Yeah, and that is that is a monospace font. Yeah, do that. It's, it's the whole just, point it's, of monospace fonts. I wonder if it. Well, anyway. Yes. Anyway, an exclamation so again, point means not. Exclamation, and it goes in front of, and it only acts on one thing. So and and or act on two things. So they go in the middle of the two things you're anding or oring. And the not goes in front of the thing you're inverting. In terms of precedence, not has the highest precedence. So that any notting will happen first, then the anding and then the oring. Hmm. Which again makes sense. So the, the fact that the not happens before the and and the or is actually really convenient. Saves okay. you having silly brackets around things. I have to think about whether that makes sense, but I believe you. Well, if it didn't work that way and you wanted to say not A and B, you'd have to have open bracket, not A, close bracket, and B. But because the not has the highest precedent, you can say not A and B. So where the not being first is actually very, very useful. Hmm. It's not the difference in the A and the B is more of an academic one. But the not being more, being more important than the other, oh, sure. than either of those two is important. Okay. All right. So again, we have... Uh, our little playground. In this case, I've basically used it to create a truth table the hard way. <laughs> okay. Uh, so false and false is false. False and true is false. True and false is false. True and true is true. In other words, the only thing that comes out of an and is true is when both of them are true. Okay. False or false is false. False or true is true. True or true is or true or false is true. And true or true is true. <laughs> okay. So if there's even one truth, an or will become true. Right. And not false is true, and not true is false. <laughs> I, I find Very myself basic, wanting right? to write a sentence like, not not a number. <laughs> I bet that's still false. <laughs> no, what not, would that... Not nan? Well, nan will evaluate down, nan is false, so not nan is true. Oh, I don't know, though, because you don't know what nan even is. Except yeah, but you now, do we know, know it's false. <laughs> we do know it's false, right? So there's because one that's thing in the rules. The five it. things that go to false does include okay. that. All right. So again, it's all by the rules. JavaScript is full of rules. Okay. Okay, now we're going to take a little little break for a moment, and we're going to introduce you to a, a feature in the playground that's been there since day one, but we haven't talked about yet. So hiding. it says your code, and then there's a big text box where we've been typing our code into. And then it says inputs, and then there's three text boxes, and then there's a run button. Well, we haven't used those three text boxes yet. Oh, those have been there all along. I never noticed them. They have been in there all along. I just haven't mentioned them, and I've just been hoping people look straight over them. And they have. Well, at least this one has. 
So these allow us to input values that we can access from our code. So they allow us to put things into our code. So we type them in here, and then we click run, and then we can reach in and grab those values from within the playground. And we grab those values by saying pbs.input and then giving it a number. So pbs.input1 will give us the first text box. pbs.input2 will give us the second text box. And pbs.input3 will give us the third text box. Okay. Okay. Because of how HTML text boxes work, they will always be strings. No matter what we type there, they will always come into the code as a string because that's how text boxes work. Because you've told it it is a text box? Nope. Because that's how, in HTML, a text box contains a string. It could be the string for, but it is a string. It's just the way the spec of HTML. So basically, this is because of how HTML works now. This is about how web pages work, right? We're, we're getting our first little hint of integrating JavaScript into a web page. Web pages, the rules of HTML are that an input contains a string. So it is a string. No matter what we type there, it will come to JavaScript as a string. Okay. So if we want to do mathematics on it, we have to use parsint, we learned about last week, to force it to be a number. Otherwise, we're going to have ourselves some problems. So okay. it's, it's, you know, it's just a fact that I just need to state, because otherwise, when you try to add input 1 to input 2, if you put 1 and 2, you'll get 12. If you don't parse int on them? If you don't parse int them, they will both be strings, so the plus will become a concatenation, so it will be 12. So you know I mean. thought... I'm getting the terminology mixed up, but I thought there was okay. that that strings. Oh, but because we're adding two strings, they stay strings. Exactly. So if we said yeah. uh, one plus uh, input one, it would be two. Mm-hmm. Yes, because on that but case, we're the number two. one. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh, I understood then. Perfect. Perfect. So we have a very, very simple example to prove the point here. A little one-line JavaScript program. That will simply add the two numbers. So it says pbs.say, and then inside the pbs.say, we have parseint pbs.input1 plus parseint pbs.input2. And so because we're parsenting them, they are going to behave like numbers. So we can say 1 into input 1, 2 into input 2, and when we run it, we will get the output 3. If we put donkey into any of the inputs, we will get the output nan. Because Ooh, parsint like donkey gives you nan. Or Same thing happens with boogers. <laughs> you knew I was going to. <laughs> I'm very fond of, of just throwing donkeys into things. Okay, so that's the, that's 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 just a little the last little bit of thing we need to do before we move into our branching. Okay. Here we so, go. So, the statement for branching in JavaScript and in pretty much every language I've ever come across ever is the if statement. Um, Perl has a few choices. You can have an unless statement in Perl. Hmm. But we're not writing Perl. We're writing JavaScript. So it's just a grand total of one. If. Okay. So, if, open around bracket, something that evaluates to Boolean, close around bracket, statement one, semicolon, else, statement two, semicolon. Else, statement two is optional. So you don't have to have an else. So hmm. if the condition evaluates to true, statement one happens. Otherwise, statement two happens if it's present. Okay. That's it. That, that is the rule. So, let us use that to decide whether or not a number that we type into our input is odd or even. So, our little code example here, we say, if 
Parsint PBS that input one. Modulus two double equals zero. So, right, we have a comparison operator in here. Double equals. I don't remember what modulus is. <laughs> no okay, the modulus means the remainder after division. So we take what's okay. in input one, we divide it by two, and whatever the remainder is, we're going to compare to zero. If you divide by two and get a remainder of zero, it must be an even number. And if it's not an even number, it must be an odd number. So, so it says I'm syntax, else. I'm confused. So what we have is basically PBS input one, ampersand mm-hmm. two. Right, so modulus, PBS input one, modulus two. So modulus two means divide by two, but give me the remainder instead of the answer. Okay. That one's going to take a while to sink in. All right, I believe you. And I know I learned it, and I know what it's supposed to do. Okay. Now, before we run this, I would like to draw your attention to the fact that underneath it, we have the same code again, but different, right? The first one, where it's all mushed onto just two lines, is entirely legal within the specification. But you should never write code like this. Oh, because it's too hard to read? It's way too hard to read. The second one is also perfectly legal. So we've broken it into multiple lines, but what we haven't done is we haven't made them into code blocks, right? So we're having a single statement, else a single statement. So what happens if I think, oh, well, if the first thing happens, I'd like to do two things. And if I put in an extra line there, it's not actually part of the if anymore. Because if is just for one statement. So we need to use a code block to expand it out. And do you remember the nasty go-to-fail bug that caused Apple so much trouble? Yeah. That was entirely caused by them doing what's in that second example, exactly as it is in that second example. Wait, so the second example is illegal or wrong? The second example is by the spec, but a terribly bad idea. So I don't want you to get into either of those two habits. I want you to get into the habit just a little bit below, and I want... Right? Oh dear, because I got all excited and was liking the second one, but that's the bad one too. The second one is only bad because we don't use curly braces. So do the oh, second. Oh, the curly one. braces make it a code code block. The curly braces make it a code block. So get into the habit of always using code blocks with your if statements. Just as a matter of routine, forget about the fact that the code blocks are optional. Okay, forget you about have the showed fact us that. that you should have told us we had to, because well, I no, wouldn't have ever thought of not me. using it. Well, yeah, but then someone would have shouted at me. So the rule is: wherever a statement can go, a code block can go. Well, the official spec says if. Statement one, else statement two, which means if code block one, else code block two is perfectly legal because you can put a code block wherever you can put a statement. Okay. So, yeah, if you want to burn one into your brain, burn the one with the curly brackets in. And all of my examples you are going to see in this entire series are going to use curly brackets. I hate You're never going where to see the curly me do brackets are in these sentences, though. Like, you've got if PBS input one, modulus two is zero, is, mm-hmm. equal, is essentially equal to zero... But then you got a curly bracket at the end of the line. Mm-hmm. Why is that not yes, like on the next line so it's easy to read? Well, it depends on your definition of easy. This is a personality thing, right? I like to see, if I look up from the closing brace, I like to just look straight up and see what it is I'm closing. So I can see the curly, the closing curly brace, and I look up and it says, if. Oh, great, that's what I'm closing off. Other people like what's called the Ullman style, which is the next example down, which is also perfectly valid and just as good a habit to get into. So oh, if you prefer it, it like oh, this. Oh, I like that so much better. Okay. It's a personality thing. If you prefer to have the opening curly brace on a new line, by all means, have the opening curly brace on a new line. Okay. And there's also a I variant of the Ullman. I think we should do a poll and decide which one is good. <laughs> No, I'm doing my examples the, the way I do my examples. Okay. I'm sorry, I'm not changing. Okay, I, so I, I, 
let me see if I understand this. So we've basically got uh, we've got if parse int PBS input one modulus mm-hmm. two equals zero. So that says uh, we're basically going to say is this even or odd. So we're saying this is going to be an even number because it's uh, essentially equivalent to zero. Uh, right. Okay. So modulus two means you divide by two, and then the remainder is what comes out instead of the answer. So we take whatever number you type into input one, we divide it by two, and then the remainder gets compared to zero. So if the remainder right. of dividing by two is zero, you must have been even. Okay. So then you put out a code block that says PBS dot say uh, even even, and then an, then else and another code block PBS. So why? What makes that piece of it get wrapped in the squirrely break, bra- brackets, whatever you call them? Well, because if you want to add multiple things to do on the if or the else, you now don't have to change your code. If you leave out the curly brackets, then exactly one statement can go in the no, if. No, no, and no, exactly- no, 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 no. I don't want to leave out the curly brackets. I promise. I promise. Yeah. I won't ever leave them out. Okay. I just don't okay. know where to put them. I don't know why they're not the else isn't inside the curly brackets. I don't well, because know why there's the spec two sets says it's if statement one, else statement two. So the code block replaces the statement in the spec. So the the rules are that the else has to come after the curly bracket. That's just the rule. So it's if, open a curly bracket, do some stuff, close a curly bracket, else, so open a curly bracket. So do some stuff is what is in the code block. Yes, the do some stuff is what's in the code block. And you have okay. to end the do some stuff before you say else. I, I, I'm okay with that. I just thought the the if and the else would both be inside curly brackets. No, no. So it's if is if is the command you're giving the the statement you're invoking. So if some condition code block else code block. Okay, so only do some stuff is in the mm-hmm. curly brackets. Yeah, so some stuff and some other stuff are what goes in the curly okay, brackets. But the the, <laughs> the 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 if statement is not. No, no. Okay, okay. And that's just the way JavaScript was designed. Okay, but no, and I, and I'm not I'm not arguing. I'm just trying to get my head around what's in and what's not. Do some stuff. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So let's. After all that hullabaloo, you can copy and paste whichever of those you think looks prettiest and stick it into our little playground. And of course, I still have boogers in input one. That's well, fine. <laughs> so it'll say. So the modulus uh, of two of boogers is. Nan. Nan. Nan double equal zero will give you? False. Odd. So, so boogers will be odd by this imperfect rule, right? Okay. Because we, we haven't accounted for people doing silly things here. This is very naive code. Okay. Right? So if it's even, we print out even, and otherwise we assume it must be odd. Okay. That's not really true, is it? But that, that's what we've written, and that's what yeah, the code will do. And as you say, it does exactly what we tell it to do, right? Yeah, because computers are dumb and they have no intelligence. They don't know what we meant to do. They only know what we actually typed. So this is, again, an example of, we have made an implicit assumption here. We have assumed that if it's not even, it must be odd. What if it's just garbage? Well, that's odd. Right? <laughs> it's a different kind of odd, I guess, yeah. <laughs> so that's, you know, so I've intentionally picked a naive example because our final example of the day will be an unnaive version of this example. Okay. Okay. Now, one thing I want to mention is that there is a JavaScript function whose sole job in life is to check if something is nan, because you can't use any of the operators to do that for you. You can't say, you can't check if a variable contains nan by double equalsing it with nan, or even by triple equalsing it with nan, because any of these operators give you false. Double so secret extra check? equals, you still don't get anything but false. 
it's always false. So how do I actually check if the variable x contains nan? Well, there's a function, and it's called isNan. Oh, they had to make a and separate was, one just for that. They had to make a separate one just for that because the operators all just throw out a false as soon as they meet a nan. So isNan, again, we have an example here. So if we copy and paste our example, we can see how isNan works. And isNan does its very best to be helpful. It will even do type conversions for you. So isNan4 is false, because 4 most certainly is a number. isNan3.14159 is also false, because 3.1419 is a very special number. Well, an approximation of a very special number. Minus 2.6 is also false for isNan, because that is definitely a number. Minus 2 exponential 3, also false, because it is a number. The string 6... Well, that converts to a number, so that also is oh, not nan. Oh, okay. The string boogers, that's nan. <laughs> the Boolean true is also false, because true is one. True so true is, is fine. Oh, okay. Right, right. Is nan nan? Finally, true. Nan is, <laughs> nan is nan. So nan gets a true out. I like it. Okay? I like so it. It behaves pretty sensibly, and it's quite forgiving. So basically... If I could throw this into an addition, would it work? Is kind of what isNan will spit out. So the, the, the string 6 will get converted to a number without causing an error, so that's okay. That's considered not nan. Yeah. So you see, it's quite generous. It's quite, it does the sensible thing, basically. All right. Okay. Now we're ready for our final example. Okay. So what we're going to do is we're going to do our odd-even test again, but we're going to na- make it not naive. We're going to actually assume that people do silly things because in reality people do silly things so we're going to check for it so let's go through it line by line so the first thing is again notice i'm commenting this because this is now some real code Uh get the input and convert to an integer so var raw input equals pbs that input one var input as a number or input num i'm calling it wait wait wait. um wouldn't we want to parse int it or something to make it a number we parse int it on the next line the reason is because we want to be able to tell the user what they put in. Otherwise, we say nan is not a number. Oh, oh, okay. That way, it's, okay. So we're going to have a variable called raw input, and we're going to hang on to that so that we can say whatever they typed in. So if yeah. Allison typed in boogers, it's going to be boogers. Exactly. Because otherwise, it's saying nan is not a number. And you're going to go, who brought nans into so, this? I'm talking about boogers. <laughs> okay. So uh, variable raw input is input one And then, then we, we say... Input num, so input as a number. Right? It's like a new variable, okay. Yeah. Whereas parseInt raw input. Gotcha, okay. So we now have our input in two forms, as a number and as whatever it was, which okay. is a string. So now we're going to validate the input. Well, and it may or may not be a string. Exactly. Okay. Well, no, it is a string. The raw input is definitely a string because that's how text boxes work. Oh, sorry. Yep, gotcha. So if is nan input number, then it's not a number. So print an error pbs.say, the string containing a single quote, concatenated with the raw input, concatenated with a single quote, space is not a number, comma, so is neither odd nor even, end quote. So in other words, a sensible, sane error message. So what, let's see. So you've got, you've concatenated a single quote with raw input and a single quote, but in order to yes. put single quotes in to concatenate them, you have to tell us their strings so they get double quotes around them. So it's double quote, mm-hmm. single quote, double quote, yep. plus 
wrong input plus double quote single quote. You're missing a double. Qu- oh no no no! I got no. It's way over there. That's right. It's not a number, so it's neither odd nor even. There's your double quote. Okay. Yeah. So the string single quote plus whatever you typed in plus the string single quote space is not a number, comma, so is neither odd nor even end string. Okay. So that's a sensible thing to do when someone puts in boogers. Uh huh. Else, so if it was a number, well, now let's do some work. So we say the answer var ants equals input num plus space is space. So in other words, whatever you told us. Okay, hang on, hang space. on. When you say var ants, that that, that I got to say it, and it, I have to say we've just created a variable called ans. Yeah, and I it's going to be, like and it, and it becomes. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, very good. Comes. It becomes input num, which we had, which was our parsint. Okay, mm-hmm. plus or is concatenated with is. Exactly. So we're starting to build an answer. So. Buh is, okay, is what? Well, let's go figure out what it is. Okay. If input num modulus 2 double equals 0, mm-hmm. so in other words, if the if the remainder after you divide by 2 is effectively equal to 0, mm-hmm. then we concatenate onto our answer, even else, we concatenate onto our answer, odd. And the final thing we do is we print out our answer. So pbs.say ants. Okay. So if we copy and paste that in, so, we will this see. where I always get. I'm I'm stuck again for concatenate. Mm-hmm. You wrote plus equals. Okay, the answer equals whatever the answer was, With and odd stuck on the end. Even even or odd stuck to it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So the answer I becomes so automatically. I forget that it's not intuitive at all. Yeah. Answer becomes or ans becomes even plus concatenate. No. With answer the stuff becomes whatever it was. And then even stuck on the end. Yeah. Okay. Or odd stuck on the end. I'm starting to get there. It's concatenating like I'm this. I'm basically going to have to have Jill's email up as my, my desktop wallpaper. <laughs> so I can Not for reading. long. Not for long. Because this kind of building up a string by sticking stuff on the end all the time, you do that so often, it'll oh, become it'll second sticky. nature. Okay. It'll get very sticky very quickly. That plus equals thing, you just use it everywhere. You, if you're dealing with numbers, having an accumulator that is accumulating an answer, completely normal. So you're going to be plus equalsing, minus equalsing, whatever you're accumulating. When you're dealing with strings, you build them up little by little by little to get to some sort of final output. You're going to be plus equalsing all over the place. You're going to do it so often, it really is going to sink in quickly. Okay. Because your alternative is ants equals ants plus even. Ants equals ants plus odd. Okay. Which is a lot of typing, and you're not going to want to do that, so you're going to plus equals. Okay. Okay, so let's run this and see if we do indeed have a sensible checker. So input one. Run. One is odd. Good. Zero. Zero is even. Minus 121. Odd. Buggers. Or minus buggers. Yeah, buggers. Minus boogers would work too. Boogers is not a number, so it is neither odd nor even. I changed mine to say boogers is stupid, Allison, so it's neither odd nor even. Yeah. Okay, there we go. That proves you understand that if you can edit it and make At it At least the comments, things. or the, uh, the, the string text, I can. So, there we have it. Okay. We have done branching. Depending on the input, we do something different. That's branching. That's all branching is. Depending on the result of a comparison of some sort, 
we do this thing or that thing. And the or is entirely optional. We could, we might just not do anything if if the condition isn't met. So we can have if and then no else. So the only step further we could have gone with this is we could have um, we could have added in the double ampersand. Like if the if the first if input one maybe this should be an exercise for me to try to go do on my own. Mm-hmm. If the uh, if input one and input two are odd, then you know, you win or whatever. Sure. Yeah, you can do that. We didn't Absolutely. do that yet. Because you can read them. Yeah, you can read more of them in. The chances of me getting the, the I think my hardest part is going to be the, the um, things like the semicolons and the, and the parentheses. And well, that's where I, 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 the logic makes sense. Okay. Well, the thing to say, so my little playground will show to you the underlying browser error. So if you lop off a random bracket somewhere and hit run you'll see oh okay depending on how badly you break it you may get a meaningful error or a meaningless error i'm afraid i get a syntax error unexpected keyword else okay so that means that you probably lopped off the closing curly brace before the else because it doesn't expect an else inside an if expect the else to come after the code block and you have it inside the code block by taking you i don't know where i took it (laughs) and there's there's a there's a there's a lonely else somewhere yeah. Actually, let me check something. I think I, I got rid of a semicolon. I'm trying to remember how. Oh, well, that will do it too, because then the else is considered part of the line before, and then it's all weird. Let me check something. I think I was smart enough to do this. I wasn't going to tell you about it yet, but I think I will, <laughs> assuming I was smart enough to do it. Yes, I was. Good for me. Okay. What browser are you using? Safari. Okay, good. So am I. Then this is easy. Okay, so as well as showing you the error, on the screen, I'm also logging the error to something called the JavaScript console. Ooh. I wasn't going to tell you about this yet, but this is bonus content. So, develop, and then you go down to... Develop in the menus? Yeah, yeah. so in Safari, the develop menu, which we enabled earlier in this series, so Mm -hmm. that we could play with the web inspector. So below show web inspector is show error console. That will pop Mm -hmm. up the same window you're used to, but now you're on a different tab. You're on the console tab. Yeah. And each and every time you see an error on the screen, a little entry will scroll by there, showing you what it is, showing you that there was a syntax error or whatever, and it will tell you, depending on how bad the error was, it may have a disclosure triangle. Let's see. Mm, yeah, it's not actually that much help to you. Yeah, flip. Yeah, okay, because we're in the playground, this isn't helpful yet, which is why I wasn't telling you about it. Uh, never mind. Never mind. When we get to real JavaScript in the real browser, this console will tell us what line number the problem's on. Oh, cool. But unfortunately, we're in the playground now, and all it's telling you is what line number in the playground was executing your code. So it will tell you that line 106 of playground.js was doing the work, and it encountered some weirdo stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that's really no good to you nice nice i like it all uh, right okay, so, i feel powerful bart i want to go well, do some if statements the, yeah so the other thing to do is build your code up little by little will be another piece of advice uh, so don't write 400 lines of code and then hit go and then find that there's a syntax error somewhere <laughs> build it up little by little and just hit run and just see if you you know then you'll know when 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 you've gone off the rails okay and the other, the other piece of advice I will give is every time you open a bracket, close it straight away. 
and then put the cursor back in to fill it in in between. So when I op- when I type the words IF, I type IF, open bracket, close bracket, open curly brace, close curly brace. And then I go fill in the details. And that Even way, the details file. are going to be to the left of the curly bracket. Yeah, I'll step back. Yeah. Yeah, I'll just write. See, if those all, were I'll on just a separate line. It'd be a lot easier to do that. <laughs> Not particularly. <laughs> um, so, I, I, you know, don't get open and close your brackets together and open and close your quotation marks together and open and close your well, your braces of any kind, really. Yeah. And that way you will never have a mismatched bracket because you've ty- you, if you always type them in pairs, you can't possibly mismatch them. And otherwise, it's very easy to because if you have a parsint inside a say or something like that, there's a lot of brackets there. And you could, if you get them in the wrong order, you have garbage because it's completely meaningless. You just said that you should parsint something completely weird. Yeah. So if you just do them in pairs, you won't get those errors. You'll still get different errors, but you won't get those errors. I'm thinking a uh, uh, text expansion snippet would be handy for this kind of stuff. Like, there are plenty of people who would say if, you know, would have an expansion snippet for say if open round bracket and then you just go bloop and it'll put in a whole if statement. Right, right. I mean, that's one of the ways I succeed at doing HTML lists is I type comma UL and it writes open close UL, open close LI inside of that. And that way I don't get them mixed up, except yeah. I edit them and break them. <laughs> I was going to say, one problem you will have is that... Uh, Text Expander isn't a code editor, so Text Expander won't properly tab stuff in. So if you have an if statement inside an if statement, you'll then have to go and manually put all the all the tabs in to get them to work properly. Because yeah. you're, as you can see in my examples, your indentation should allow you to see where you are in the structure. Mm-hmm. So the ants plus equals even is tabbed in from the if, which is tabbed in from the else. Right, right. I like that. So yeah, and that is a that is. That is the one thing that all of the all of the acceptable coding styles have in common is that you always tab the stuff in. Whether you put your curly braces at the end of the line or the start of the line, it doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter at all. The one thing everyone does agree on is that you tab the stuff in as you nest it. It's called nesting. So you have an if tag inside an else tag, so it's nested. Right, right. It's the only and way I'd have a chance of reading this stuff. Absolutely, and that's why we do it because otherwise, no one could read this stuff. Only some sort of weirdo superhuman. Right, right. Well, this is cool, Bart. What is uh? What do we get to do next? Okay. Well, the next next we're going to take why well, very very important one of our Lego bricks actually. So if you imagine this one's like the size of a Duplo block, what we're going to do next? Yeah. Uh, so we now know about variables that hold one thing. So var row input equals whatever. Well, there is a type of variable that doesn't hold one thing. It holds a list of things. It's called an array. Oh yeah. And so an array can be of any length. So you can you can have an array of all the states in the US, and then you could have another array of all the states in Ireland, or of the counties in Ireland. So they're going to be a different length, obviously. And what if you just want to want to print the content of an array? Well, it might be one long, it might be 4,000 long. How, how do you do that? Well, the answer is you iterate over it by repeating the same action an appropriate number of times. So in other words, what you're doing is some sort of looping. So for every element in this array, do this. So the same, the same this gets done many times. And right, that's right. looping. And that is absolutely, after branching, looping is your next big control. Okay. So looping tells you to go left or right. and the, uh, Sorry, branching tells you to go left or right, if else. 
and then looping tells you, yeah, keep doing this until something happens, or keep doing this for exactly so many times. So there's different types of loops, so maybe in some cases the loop makes sense. Keep asking the user for input until they tell you something sane, which is not really something you're going to come across in our playground, but in a real web page, when you click submit on a form, it's going to say, no, 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 really, no, don't do that. <laughs> you know, Or actually, a command line app is more like it, where it just keeps giving you the prompt back. No, I wanted a number. No, I wanted a number. No, I wanted a number until you finally give it a number. That's a loop of sorts. So that's kind of a loop where you code, do this until some condition is met. Another type of loop is do, you know, do this once for everything in the array. So you're, you know, if it's a 10 along array, you're going to do it 10 times. So again, lots of different types of loops, but the, it's, you know, do this one thing a number of times because you need to do that to achieve your goal. And so that is a really important building block. And that's... Uh, it sounds like fun. I want to say it's going to be difficult, but it's an important one. And then the one after that is also important. And then, then we actually, then we're ready, I think, to break out of the playground. I think we're, we're getting, we're getting close to breaking free from our playground and going to play on real web pages. And that's wow. where the real fun begins. I love the size of the bytes now. I'm really, really enjoying it because I, I, it's as much as I can contain, but it's not much more. Yes. Except for that modulus thing. I'll get there eventually. <laughs> but that, that's, that's not a JavaScript problem. <laughs> what, that's an Allison problem? No, an, ar- an arithmetic problem. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, the, the, every, no, programming language, every programming language has a modulus operator, and they all work the same way. Mm-hmm. So the problem you're having is with modulus as a concept, not well, with no, JavaScript. No, I, well, the word modulus just doesn't stick in my head yet as, as having anything to do with remainders. That's a mathematics problem, actually. The, the mathematicians made up that word. Computer scientists just copied. <laughs> Okay, fine. It's their fault. <laughs> I'll get there. I'll get there. If we use it enough, I think I've said it enough practice. times I might remember it. I keep it's, it's picturing all about that, practice. that thing going around in circles with the counter. That's what screwed me up. Thing going around in circles with the counter. Oh, okay. So yeah, it's a, it's a place you'll use moduli. Yeah. Because moduli is a plural of modulus. But there we go. All right. We'll go loopy next time. We will actually, I think next, next, next time we're actually going to take a, uh, well, next time we do PBS, we go loopy. And then the next time we talk, I think we're going completely off piste. We're, we're not doing programming by self at all. That's right. It's going to be wild. It's going to be crazy. Well, whenever that is, until then, happy computing, I think. I'm getting so confused with my outros. It is happy computing, isn't it? Yes, I think so. Okay. Until then, happy computing. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is an unsponsored show, so if you like what you hear, you can help support the show by using the Amazon or App Store affiliate links you'll find over at podfeet.com. I love feedback, so if you have questions, comments, or suggestions, you can email me at allison at podfeet.com. If you want to join in the conversation with other listeners, you can go over to our Google Plus community at podfeet.com slash Google Plus or our Facebook group over at podfeet.com slash Facebook. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.